Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Leslie is an author, speaker, coach, advertising creative director, and former UK TV host who helps people discover, embrace, and release their unique swagger. With Combustion Training, the award-winning company that she founded, Leslie has been fortunate enough to work with global organizations like Google, TD Bank, Uber, HBO, Brown Foreman, PepsiCo, Wilson, and Honda, and helped professionals at all levels from CEOs down. Leslie lives to unleash the authentic human potential in everyone she encounters. Leslie helps her clients to develop the unshakable confidence and self-belief they need to fearlessly go after and achieve their goals just by being themselves. Leslie's book, Swagger, Unleash Everything You Are and Become Everything You Want, was published in May 2021. As a speaker, she brings the swagger message to vibrant life and helps organizations and individuals understand how unleashing authenticity in the corporate world can be transformational to not only performance, productivity, employee satisfaction, and retention, but can significantly up the human factor we also desire. And Lastly, she most definitely brings her own swagger to that party. Leslie, welcome to the One Away Show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. We are going to get juicy, down and dirty. Yes, that I, apparently so. And, uh, you know, the first Leslie I thought I'd interview was was my her, my mom. Her name's Leslie, but oh, cool. uh, it happened to, happened to be you. So I, I, I think that's a great way to start this out. Um, I got some mom energy, like some tough love great. mom thing yeah, going on. You got but a cool good... mom, like a super cool mom. I, 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 can, I can read it across the screen, no doubt. So Leslie, let's, let's dive in. What's the one-away moment that you want to share with us today? I was about 23 years old, I think, which is quite a while ago. I was living in the UK. I had moved to the UK from Montreal, Canada, uh, to pursue my dreams of being a singer. And it was it was all happening. I had a music partner. We were writing. We were getting interest from record companies. It was very intense. But I had a very particular mindset about it. I'd been passionate about being a singer since I was about 16, moved out of my house when I was 17 to start my first band. You know, I was a wild child and I was obsessed with all things um, British. So I'd moved to the UK to pursue my dreams. And I also was passionate about film. And it was the Edinburgh Film Festival. And my mom had come um, all the way from Canada to come and hang out with me at the Edinburgh Film Festival. And we were watching movies back to back to back to back. It's a really immersive experience. You're literally from eight o'clock in the morning till midnight. You're just watching film after film after film. And there was uh, a particular film that we were watching called Shirley Valentine, you know, movie from, again, this is back in the 80s. Uh, and it's the story of this this British housewife who really uh, is not living her life. And she has this dream of going mm. to Greece and having this wild time. But the truth is she's too afraid to, to really start living her life. So it's the same routine every day. She makes her husband the same food. Her husband kind of ignores her. She talks to a poster of Greece on the wall and all of that stuff. And I'm watching this movie and I'm feeling all of these things. Mm. And I am like, you know, watching this, this woman waiting for her life to start and how much time she's wasted waiting for her life to start because she keeps saying, if only I can go to Greece, if only I can do this, my life will begin. And it suddenly hit me like a ton of bricks. I started to cry, 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 cry to the point that my mom said, let's get out of the cinema. We went for a, for a walk in Edinburgh and she was like, what is, what is making you so upset? And I said, I realize that 
I'm waiting for my own life to start, that I keep saying, if only I get a record deal, if only I find this success, if only, if only, if only, that's when my life is going to start. And the truth was, my life had started a long time ago, but I just couldn't see it because I was putting all of these sort of conditions and expectations on myself and was defining my life starting with success. Hmm. And at that moment, I went, uh, 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 this is not a rehearsal, this life we have. You get one go around the carousel and you got to make every second count. And that moment changed the way that I lived my life. Yeah. Well, what a triggering experience in a beautiful and maybe really hard and painful way. And also how neat that your mom was maybe right there with you to kind of hold, hold you in that moment and be there with you. Oh, she was always Um, that. She was always that for me. My mom was my hero, my catalyst, my cheerleader, my mentor, my everything. So it was super cool that she was there. Wow. Well, that is cool. And also just a film, like I've always dreamed of going to a film festival. It sounds like an incredible experience, but I just, it's funny how movies or books, right. Can really hit that nerve inside Uh, that tell you, you know, maybe there's something more deeper for me out there. So I'm just curious, you know, as you're kind of talking about, you say your life had started, you couldn't see that your life had started and you're waiting for your life to start by external success. Um, What do you think was blinding you from maybe being able to see like, like growing up where where was it you always envisioned x and just like i'm curious kind of what the blocker was for you then when so much it seems like had already unfolded and you you could not see it i was always someone who had enormous personal power and i knew that about myself i i made bold choices nothing ever held me back i was a badass kind of from from day one i lived my own unique life it was very difficult at times because I was not following anybody's rules. Thus, I didn't get a lot of the validation that people get by doing conventional things. I had to go and create my own life. I wanted to to do that. And I was very hard on myself. I I really set incredibly high standards for myself. And and I was, I call it a goalpost mover. You know, I would set a goal and then I would achieve the goal and go, well, if I could achieve it, it can't be that special. You know, it can't be that amazing. And I would then, you know, move the the goalpost and then I would accomplish that. And then I would move the goalpost. And I really didn't experience a lot of internal validation. It was a real struggle for me when I was when I was younger. And so that, I think, was the biggest thing as I hadn't yet learned um, what what my own measurements were, what kind of damage they came from, and Mm. how to change that for myself, how to create an internal validation system so that I wasn't, I didn't feel the need to move the goalpost because I was getting filled up every step of the way. I was learning how to sustain myself as opposed to say, only when the world approves of me am I deemed good enough. I I let go of that. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I I love what you're saying. And it's like, you were it sounds like before you maybe figured out your personal sense of value, you were looking for that validation from a world who clearly couldn't have the capacity, could did not have the capacity to see you or understand you because you were just different. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, we often go to people for that sense of being seen when they're just not at our level. And um, you, you clearly, um, we're operating in a different playing field and uh, had to define that for yourself. So like, let's, let's go there, you know, um, well, actually before we do go there and how you kind of did that, I'm just curious, like when you think about why did you feel that, like, did you feel the need to be validated because you were just different or like, did you feel the need to be validated because you tried out for things or did things and, and weren't good enough. And certain, like, I'm just like, you know, I'm validation is such an interesting concept. I'm just like, mm-hmm. like, is, is there a deeper root or am I? Well, I think thinking? the, the, because I was a rebel from day one, I was constantly being put in my place, or at least people try to put me in my place. Leslie, Mm. you're too much. You're too loud. You're too this. You're too that. I was always too much, too much, too much. And I refused to accept that. I refused to listen. And, And it was interesting because 
I could have acquiesced my stuff, my power to get approval, but I, I couldn't. I, I absolutely could not. Everything in my system screamed against that and said, no, Leslie, you have to do you. You are built for greater things. You are built for something magical. You're going to just keep pushing and keep pushing. But it was very, very painful because I didn't get the approval that I, that, that all humans want and need. I was not being told that I was, I was loved the way that I was, you know, and even inadvertently, even by the people who loved me, it was always, oh, Les, if you would only do this, things would be better. Or if you could only do that, or if you could only behave this way, or if you could only, and, and a lot of that stuff was said for my benefit. But, but when you have that damage, you hear it through a particular kind of oral lens, you know, you, you hear the stuff that is going into the painful parts of you. And so I felt like I was kind of a caveat, you know, Leslie, you're so great. If only you would. And mm -hmm. I stopped hearing the Leslie, you're so great. I only heard the if only you would, or you could. And so that, that was the thing that, that stayed with me for years. That's, that's why I set such incredibly mm -hmm. high expectations for myself. But I, I, everybody wants to be seen and loved and accepted for being exactly who they are. That is the greatest gift that we can give. And it's the greatest gift that we can receive to say, I am perfectly imperfect and I'm seen and acknowledged and loved and respected for that. And I didn't get that for a very long time, for a very long time. And ironically, when I look back at my life, I look at all these crazy things that I accomplished and how people felt about me then. I didn't even recognize how, how much influence I had on other people, how inspirational I was. I just thought mm -hmm. I was a hot mess and, um, and people would have appreciated me more if I had lived my life a, a different kind of way, but I was not prepared yeah. to give away my power to get that. It's a, it's a very hard road, you know, that's, that's kind of why I wrote the book that I, that I wrote was to help people with that, that very thing, you know, cause I know how freaking hard it is to say, I don't care what you think of me. I have to do me. You do you. I have to do me. And I'll tell you, yeah. I'll tell you an interesting little, little, um, full circle moment from, from this, this whole experience. So, um, when I published my, my book, you know, it's every author's dream to, to make the bestseller lists and to do all that cool stuff. Say, right? say the name of it for us. Just uh, so we hear it. The book is called Swagger, Unleash Great. Everything You Are and Become Everything You Want, which of Love course it. ties into this beautifully, right? And um, so the book uh, was was newly released. So this was just this, this past May. And uh, I get the call to tell me that my book has hit the Wall Street Journal uh, and USA Today bestseller list. And I was waiting for this huge rush of validation, this huge rush of like, yes, you know, it's like hearing that you got an Emmy or an Oscar or something like that, right? And I did get hit with this huge emotion, but it wasn't joy. It wasn't elation, but it was intense. So I do what I, what I always do, which is to take a step back and go, what the hell is that? What is going on with me internally? Cause I'm someone who really checks in with themselves all the time. I'm like, what is going on here? This is not lining up with what I thought. And so I sifted through it and sifted through it, sifted through it. And I realized that I was actually angry. And when I realized I was angry, I was like, okay, where is that coming from? Like, this is just doesn't make sense. And I realized that I was angry at how hard I had to fight to maintain my own swagger, hmm. to, to maintain it, not to regain it, because I wouldn't let anyone take it from me, but to maintain it. And all those people and all those times that, that others tried to change me, and I had to fight against it and fight against it and fight against it. And I was mad at all of those people. I was mad at them. And I was very much like, see, if you had changed me, if you had been successful, hmm and changing me. I could never have accomplished this. It wow. would never have happened. So I was mad at them for a hot second. And then I got over it. And then I got happy. I got excited and happy. Right. The subtle, I mean, it's, I was not what I was expecting you to say. They like, you experienced this emotion that you were mad at the people who, in a sense, it sounds like made you who you are because you had the hot spot to, uh, 
stand strong in your own self and, and not well, it's, a, it's like a muscle right it's a muscle right. you've got to work it if you if that's why it's so hard for people who have never done that who have never hold on to, held on to discovered unleashed held on to their their personal power when you when you tell them that that's the way to live they go i don't even know where to begin it's like it's yeah. like if somebody has never worked out or if somebody who's never you know right. whatever and you say here go to the gym it's gonna be great you're gonna be strong it's gonna be there go what i don't even know what the hell to do it's gonna hurt i'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be sore. Like all of those same things happen, except it's your emotional system that that is going to take a beating, you know, and, and it's going to be tough. But when you're, you know, when you're in it and when you get better at it, you go, yes, look at me, check me out. I'm changing. I'm growing. I'm stronger and I'm happier for it. Yeah, totally. And like more full and complete and whole. Um, Leslie, you know, you said you were like searching for, were you searching for validation from specific people or just like generally to be seen or was it from deeper like individuals who didn't like you wanted them to see you so bad, but they just couldn't. Um, I don't think it was about particular individuals. I wasn't trying to impress any one person in general, but when you're, you're very aware of your own personal power, you want to do something with it. You want to kind of justify this, this power that you have and use it in a big way because everybody is telling you that you have the bigness in you. So you're like, well, I better be big then I better do something huge. So I never went for little goals. I was Mm. like, I'm going to be a singer. I want to be, you know, a TV host. I want to be all of these things I accomplished. Everything that I set out to accomplish, I accomplished to, to one degree or, or another. And, and it, it was that awareness that, that because I had that level of, you know, I don't call it what, you know, chutzpah, charisma, you know, energy, personality, what that got me really far, but you still have to do the work. You still have to deal with, with the challenges that, that life throws you. It's not a free ride just because you got right. some personality, you know, and some, and also you can't be for everyone. Right. So, so sometimes having a big, bold personality is going to put as many people off as it's going to draw them towards you. That was also a challenge was, mm. was I knew that I could not be for everyone. And there was, there were moments in my life that I tried to be for everybody, but it didn't last very long, you know, because you could see how, how it vanilla, it would make everything that you did. And then you, you were just meh. And I didn't yeah. want to be meh. I wanted to be you know, for, for who I wanted to be, you know, another, another very brief story is I, you know, I was pitching a a TV idea to a production company. I was, I was a script editor at the time and I was pitching ideas and, and I would always go in and do my big pitch and have a really good time. And the guy who owned the production company said, you know, you should be on camera. I was like, yeah, of course I should. And they actually hired me and gave me a talk show. The problem was they wanted me to be Jerry Springer. I wanted to be white Oprah. I wanted a platform to, to do good, you know, right. and I did five episodes and then said to him, I don't want to do this anymore. This good is, not, this is not for me. I can't. So I was always willing to walk away from things that were trying to, to make me do what I wanted to do. I, I never let ambition get in the way of, of my purpose in life, which has always been to love on people and help them and support them and grow them and, and, and help them to be the best that they could be. So whenever something got in the way of that, I was not for it. Yeah, I love it. And it, you, I mean, you had such a strong sense of internal alignment to guide you. Um, but you also said something really interesting as well. It's like you, you did this emotional work and you came into the sense of being that, you know, you are. And of course, the work never ends. But uh, you said it became almost harder because you, you, at least what I picked up, it was almost harder for you because you knew so much about yourself that. To, if you follow the script of life, it would be quite a vanilla journey, as you said, whereas like you had to stand in who you are and not conform to what 95% of the world was doing um, to kind of stand in your own arena, which is, which is not easy, right? Because every day, like, I think what you've said is you've recognized just how different you are. And then to stand in that power, it brings up a lot of discomfort. Yeah. Oh, I mean, one of the reasons that that people don't like to hold a mirror up to themselves is that they're afraid that what they're going to see is all the bad stuff. 
that they're not going to see the good stuff. You know, we're all a hot mess. We're all perfectly imperfect. And we have to be okay to hold up a mirror to the stuff that's messy and imperfect and flawed, because that's, that's what makes us unique. You know, it's the, the, the good stuff often isn't the, the less interesting stuff. The, the, the complex stuff is the interesting stuff. The emotional journey, the challenges, where our hearts lie, what we've been through, what challenges we've overcome, our hurt, our pain, all of that stuff is actually what forms the, the 100% unique individual that we are. And unless we hold a mirror up to it, we can't use it. We can't just compartmentalize and say, well, I only want to tap into the good stuff or I only want to show people the good stuff because we are so complex and messy. First of all, to sift through it all is like, forget it. That's like a whole life journey in and of itself. But it it ends up being us determining what is the good stuff and the bad stuff. And we can't determine that for, for the world. We got to show the world and let them decide what they determine is good or bad. Because if you expose yourself, so to speak, (laughs) to 10 different people, they're going to have 10 different opinions about you. So none of those things, none of those opinions or those things are truth. They're based on their judgment, their bias, their damage, their crap. So we can't see ourselves clearly through Mm -hmm. the lens of other people. We have to get comfortable seeing ourselves through the lens of ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and and ask, what is my intention? What do I believe in? What do I want to accomplish in this world? Why do I want to accomplish it? You know, what's holding me back? All of those things. And then use everything we have to understand it. And to transcend it and to use it, you know, it's, you got to do all those things at, at the same time. It's a, it's a life journey, but yeah, that's it. That's what life is all about. Totally. Because only when you do that, can you, can you truly use everything you are to leave a legacy in this world? Yeah. And, and we're all in our place of legacy work every single day. We just don't recognize it. We don't want to wait till we're 75 to go, oh, damn, girl, I forgot about my legacy. Better get on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I love what you said about a little bit earlier to connect back to everything you just said about going to the gym. It's not like you just like know what to do. You know, and like, yeah, it's going to be painful and you're going to have to eat well and all the things to like have a healthy physical, you know, health, but going to the emotional gym is a painful, messy process. And I think why so many people are so scared to go there to, to your point is, well, I think a lot of people are carrying a lot of the weight or the armor of, so to speak. So that it's like to get to the truth, it takes a lot of consistent peeling, um, to then finally be able to say like, what is the intention? What is this? What is that? Because you really do have to strip away so much fat. And I think that's a, a really painful um, uh, process and you're speaking exactly um, to that. And so, yeah, I just, I find it fascinating and maybe the language you're using around this, because I, I think a lot of people do really struggle with this. Yeah. I, and I think you have to start really small, you know, I mean, yeah, listen, therapy is great. Go to therapy there. I'm all about therapy my whole life. I've been to therapy of one kind or another. But one of the things that I recommend to people when I coach them is, is a really simple technique. It's just when you find yourself feeling something big all of a sudden, or you're triggered or you get, you know, you have this big emotional response in a situation, whatever, instead of, of getting lost in it, just take a second and take a second stand back just for a second and and look at what's going on and just notice it and i always i say to them say out loud huh isn't that interesting mm. huh isn't that interesting with no judgment no design to fix it no anything just huh i just noticed something about myself hmm cool mm. okay and and the more you do that the more the patterns are going to present themselves so you start going huh isn't that interesting? And you're able to finish the sentence. How every time X happens, I do Y. Huh? Isn't that interesting? And then a little bit later, you'll go, huh? Isn't that interesting that every time X happens, I do Y. And then I feel this, huh? Those are patterns, right? And, and by doing that, just by doing that, you create, it's like the the matrix is peeled back and you start Mm -hmm. to understand, oh, that's how I operate. Oh, that's what happens. Then you start feeling comfortable asking yourself why. 
Mm-hmm. Just why? Yeah. So why is that? Why do I do that? And you have those conversations with yourself. You don't necessarily have to go to therapy to have those conversations. You can do right. it with yourself as long as you're honest with yourself. No one's listening, right? And right. before long, you start to see them. And then once you see the patterns and you understand the why, you can start to try and change them. Yeah. Because most people don't realize they have absolute 100% power to make choices. Sure. 100%. No one can stop you from making a choice. It's right. not possible, you know? Not possible. And right. that's the thing about, about power that, that I want people to understand is that no one can take your power. It's not possible. You can choose to give your power away, but nobody can take it. So if you decide that you're never going to allow someone to take your power, it can't be taken. And like you, you think about that in the extreme situation. Look at Nelson Mandela. Right? It's like they could they did whatever they could to him to silence him, to take away his purpose and his intention, but they could not take away his power. They put him in a locked room and he went, okay. Can't take my power though. And then as soon as they gave up on trying to take his power, he took his badass power and look what he did with it. You know, it is not possible. You people can do terrible, terrible things to one another in pursuit of their power because they're afraid mm-hmm. of the other person, because they're trying to diminish them to make themselves feel bigger. Their power leeches. They want they want somebody else's power to fill themselves up because they feel powerless. But you can choose to never, ever, ever, ever give it to them. You close that power buffet. You say, You are not coming snacking at me today. It's not happening. And and most people don't realize that. Yeah. No, I, I... I think you're right. I think a lot of people show up in this passenger state until they maybe realize that sense of value or worth that you you alluded to at the beginning. And so let's let's go back actually to that. For you, you've talked about like you said something really really intriguing. You said um, you didn't realize how much influence or impact you were having on those around you. What you know, and obviously you had the scene in the movie with your mom about not living the your life and on your terms. How did you, what made you flip the switch to start to realize that you were valuable? You, you did have a whole lot of weight and influence and impact on the world. You know, what, what led to that transition and how did things change for you? And that's a bit of a loaded question. So answer it in whatever form you need. Well, I always thought that I was like the mistress of my own destiny, that it, that for, that it had to be about setting a particular goal and then achieving that particular goal. And then that that would define that I had value and worth and stuff. And when I realized that I was putting way too much onus on that, it was like, if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't a singer on, you know, top of the pops and a number one hit, you know, artist that I, that I, I wasn't good enough. And I went, okay, wait, no. No, I've already done incredible things. I've already made choices that are that are amazing. I've already had courage. I'm going to be open to to what life has in store for me. I'm going to start saying yes to things that mm. I wouldn't have considered before because they would have so so called taken me off my path. Mm. I realized that that I that I could only be in control of aspects of my destiny, which is how I would operate in the world, not what I would do in the world. I, I realized that that life was going to give me all of these gifts and all these opportunities, and it was my choice whether to, to, to lean into them or not. So I started to say yes to things. And as a result, my life went in directions I could never have foreseen. I mean, I've had like eight or nine different careers in my life based on that philosophy. Each one, I've had a degree of success. I did it until I didn't want to do it anymore. I I did it for as long as it served me or it taught me or it took me to the next place or whatever. And then I would go and do the next thing. And that is not something most people are comfortable Mm -hmm. with or are taught to do. But I've had the most fun life. I cannot tell you how much fun I've had pursuing the the opportunities that have been given to me or that I decided to go after and um and I've learned so much from each each one of them but and I started to recognize my path oh what's my path what's my path and then I would look for things along the path and I never cared whether I was uniquely unqualified for mm. the opportunity which happened most of the time I would go yeah yeah that sounds exciting I'll try it sure what the hell and as a result I like it's crazy what I what I've been able to do in in my life yeah. Wow. Well, it, it sounds like you, you got comfortable living off the script or maybe this like predetermined GPS that uh, you, you thought your life should be down and being okay with maneuvering 
to the signals of what was thrown in front of you and what was going to serve you in those moments and then make the most out of the learnings within those chapters and turn the page on, on your terms, you know? Well, I also um, realize that it's an illusion, you know, this path that we try and set for ourselves, it's an illusion. We, we don't really have control over that. And, and it's when we believe that, that we have some kind of real control, we hold on so, so, so tight. Yeah. And then we're 10 years into something and we're miserable but we feel trapped because we, we feel like, oh, I've invested 10 years now. What else am I going to do? How can I make a change now? And then then you feel like you're in trouble. By the way, I've invested 10 years in something and then gone and done something completely different. So that that's not true either. But I've worked with so many people, especially in the corporate world, who says, well, I've worked here for 12 years. You know, my 401k, my investments, my this, my that. How could I possibly make a change now? And I, and I go, I, are you kidding me? If you're unhappy how could you possibly do one more day like this? Like right. you have to look at it from the, from the, the, not how could I possibly leave? It's how could I possibly stay? You know, the world has so much more in store for me. And again, back to that, this is not a rehearsal mentality, you know, like, you know, you're only punishing yourself for something. What are you punishing yourself for making a, a, you know, a decision that, that is only serving you for 10 years. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good decision that has served you for 10 years, but it's no longer serving you. So go make a different decision and, and find something else that's within your power. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it takes courage and bravery to do that. I mean, just curious for you, what, what was that 10 year change that you made? Well, I was a singer for, for many, many years. I, you know, and I started to work in the film industry kind of at the same time because I, I could. Um, and I thought I was always going to be a singer, but I ended up working as a script analyst and a script editor and a script doctor for, for you know, a good five or six years within that. And then I got the opportunity to, um, to work on TV, which I pursued on my own terms. And I was on camera for about five or six years. Then I moved back to Canada and then I talked my way into an advertising agency because I wanted to do something different. And I did that for, I don't know, five, six years. And then I went, you know what, I could probably help people more from the outside than I could from the inside. So I quit my job and started a training company for which I had zero, you know, zero experience, zero credibility, zero anything. I knew nothing about adult learning. I just knew that I had the power to help people and I was going to do that. And that was 15 years ago. Mm, wow. You know? Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, I mean, similar to you, I, I, it takes a lot of courage to, I think, really follow that inner voice and be brave and do things in all aspects of your life that, you know, are the hardy and right things, you know, at the time without holding on to things for, you know, a super long time when they, when they aren't serving you anymore. And so, um, I just, oh, and do not think, I just don't want anyone who's listening to think it, that it was easy. Yeah. Or that I didn't cry. Right. I didn't agonize. I didn't, I didn't go, oh my God, am I making the wrong decision? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But I'll tell you one thing that I never did. And this is, this is key. One thing I never did. I never allowed regret to seep in. Never, mm. never. I would say I made the decision. Let's go for it. I made the decision. Let's get on that. I made the decision. Let's, you know, let's have as much fun as we can with that decision because I can always make another decision later. Yeah. And I never allow regret is the most terrible feeling because it makes you want to turn back time and you can't, and it's useless. It's a completely useless, it's a backward, you know, um, focused emotion. And it's a way to kind of beat yourself up for absolutely no reason. You go, I did it. Yay me for being, being brave and making a decision. Now let's, the world has opened. There's a door in front of me. This is amazing. You never regret when there's a door in front of you. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's a liberating feeling, right? To not hang on to the past um, and, and know you did everything you could in that period. And, you know, you could move to the next thing without, without the regret you're just talking about. So what I want to ask you is, you know, for you, as you started to make these, these shifts and, and kind of see yourself in, in a valuable light, like, of course you made sounds like braver decisions, but did you, what else maybe changed or patterns you recognize as you started standing in your own personal power? Um, I think it was more that, that I would, I would get to these places where, 
the world was telling me that I had to be more of a certain kind of way. You know, if I'm going to go work in the, you know, in the hardcore business world, that I would have to have a more corporate sensibility or, you know, my business would have to speak in a certain tone of voice, or I was going to have to, you know, people, you know, quote unquote, people don't like that. People are looking for this. You have to dress a certain way and act and walk and talk a certain way. And I, you know, there were moments where I got sucked in because I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to fail. Like, I, you know, the, I want to I want to be successful in this. So maybe I should, you know, follow some of these rules, just a few little rules here and there. Maybe I should. And then I would I would try them out and they would feel, it would feel like I was wearing somebody else's clothes, which is. Ugh, bleh. And, and, and I would go back to doing way, the way things, the things, the way that I was doing them. And I would trust my instincts and inevitably it would go well, you know, it would go well because again, it's back to that. You cannot be for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's, that's one of the things that holds people, holds entrepreneurs back. It holds leaders back. It holds, you know, it, it, it's, it's that thing. It's the social media curse. It's everybody has to like me. Everybody follow me. Everybody approve of me. Everybody, everybody. And if you just think about it mathematically, it's not, it's, it is not possible. Do we all like the same movies? Do we all like the same food? Do we all like the same ice cream flavor? Do we all like the same clothes? Do we all like the same mm. music? No, 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 no. And we as individuals are just as representative of those flavors, of those sounds, of those things. And, um, you know, I don't want to be elevator music and not everybody likes that either. You know, it's like the most, the most unoffensive form of, of music. But, um, we, instead of worrying about the fact that you're going to be offending someone, think about it as that you're going to be shining this, this beacon for the people that are going to Mm. get something from you. You know, the people who are going to go, yes, I've been looking for someone to work with or to, to, to be mentored by, or to be inspired by, or to emulate, or to be friends with, or to feel safe with, or whatever it is that you're going to give to them. Um, and, and you've got to, you've got to earn that. You've got to earn that through that, that, you know, that stance of saying, well, I want y'all to know what I stand for. I want yeah. you to know what I, what is important to me and what, and you know, the thoughts that are in my head and I'm going to be unfiltered and uncensored in that so that you can see me. You can, mm-hmm. you can recognize me. If I hide in the shadows, I'm good right. for nobody. I'm good for right. nobody. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it goes to that, that part in Brene Brown's book where she talks about the man in the arena quote, and basically that stand, you're going to take the punches from the people who like everything you're saying, the people who don't want to be part of your world. Great. There's always be people like that, but they're, like you said, you're going to be a beacon for those that are going to follow along. Um, yeah, I learned to, I learned to, um, I don't accept criticism. I don't. What about, what about constructive criticism? Uh, But there's no such thing as constructive criticism. That's called feedback. Right. If somebody is invested in our collective success or in, in, in my success, whatever our shared success or my success, and, uh, they, they want to give me advice or, or information to help to that Mm -hmm. end, I will listen to them all day long, all day long. My grandmother used to say to my brilliant, wise entrepreneurial grandmother said to me when I was young, she said, Leslie, from whom it comes. You know, that you, you censor everything based on who is, who's dishing it out. And if Mm. it's someone that you don't have respect for, someone who's not earned the right, someone who's Mm. sitting on the sidelines, someone who really has no right to an opinion, you know, someone whose intention is to make you smaller or make you feel badly or whatever it is. I just don't listen to it. Mm. I don't take it on board. I just delete it. I put my fingers in my ears and sing. It serves me no purpose whatsoever. That's about them. It's not about me at all. But if someone is invested in, in things, oh my God, all day long, I will listen to feedback and I will say, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. That's a good point. Even if I don't choose to, to take it on board, I still, it's the intention mm. that, that, that uh, it's given with, that I, I'm so in love with. The fact that another human being would, would take the time mm. to, to share something with me and articulate it in a way that they, they believe that it's going to be helpful for me, that's a gift. You don't mm-hmm. pee on that. But when right. someone's just, you know, slinging arrows or, 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 you know, they're like monkeys who throw their own crap at people. Like, I don't need, I don't need that in my life. That is whatever. So I'm, I'm amazed at how many people choose to listen to critics. I just mm. don't, I just go, why, why are you listening to them? They got no place here. They got no right. power. Like, why, why would you want that crap in your head? It's why I don't watch horror movies. I don't want that shit in my head. 
I don't, you know what I mean? I don't need it in my head. Why would I go looking for it? Yeah. No, your grandma, your grandmother's wise. I think you're right. It's like, what? why take advice or criticism or thoughts from people who we don't even respect ourselves or, or we look at their life and they're like, why do they have the right to say something? So and I don't even want to judge their lives either because that makes me as bad as them. Right. I just go, I can see the intention that this is coming from and I just don't accept it. I go, no, again, that my, my go-to thing is, Hey, you do you boo. And I'm going to do me, you know, it's all good. It's all good. You go do you, and I'm going to do me. You don't get your crap on me and I'm not going to get my crap on you. That's the way we all should be living our lives, not getting our crap on each other. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is great. I, I, I love, you know, the things you stand for. And as I I shared with you at the beginning, it's just, it's such important work. What, what I'm curious about is, you know, you, you've been living this bold, courageous life for, you know, years now, you know, why, why just recently did you say, okay, it's time to really put my message out and put this book out. I didn't know for years. It's funny because I didn't really know what to write a book about. I, I, I didn't really recognize that that was the through line to everything that I'd been doing. Really, I mean, I knew that helping people was a big thing and so on, but these were big overarching concepts, you know, and when you when you write a book, you have to get you have to get very specific about what is this book really about? Who is it for? How am I going to formulate it? All of those things. And I, I was actually approached by a publisher to write a book and I didn't want to write a book about kind of my my areas of expertise, you know, creativity or, or presentation skills or or leadership. I just, I was like, eh, those books have been written. And, and I, it did, I have to say those moments where people would say to me, yeah, but Leslie, it's not your book. It's not in your voice. It's not with your perspective. And it took me a little while to go, you know what? You're right. Like that's the whole message that I, that I've been sharing. So I I asked myself, what's the thing that I, I want to tell the world the most and that was it that was this message this idea that we have the power to be everything that we want and it's already within us we don't have to look to the external world in order to 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 fill us up to make us better or worthy that we can tap into everything that we have and that's what makes us so powerful and once when, when i re, when i focused on that i was like yes that is the book that i that i want to write and i want to make it practical I didn't want it to just be inspirational because that's kind of torture. You know, when you read a book that's all right. inspiration and you get so jacked, you're like, whoa, yes, now I can do all the things. And then it doesn't tell you how to do it. I wanted the book to be a how because mm-hmm. I come from the training background. So I was very focused on that about, about giving people visual models for what's going on inside of us, what blocks our, our swagger, what are the, the drivers of the swagger, what can help us bring it out into the world. I I have hundreds of, of examples and stories for people that I've trained uh, and worked with and coached over the last 15 years. And then it's all exercises, exercises, exercises. Like it's, mm. here's a thing to do in this situation. Here's something you can do. Here's a daily practice. Here's whatever. And it's not fluffy wuffy. It's not, yeah. it's not a gratitude journal. It's right. hardcore. It's here's a hardcore exercise. Here's something to do that is going to be hard and it's practical and it's going to help move you through this. And you're going to have to do it over and over again. You know, there's all kinds of stuff like that in the book because it's a journey. And I want yeah. it to be the Sherpa for the journey, the handholder, the tough mother love, the ass kicker um, for the journey to, to swagger. Yeah. And it's like you've mixed the functional aspects of like how to help people like do this daily with the emotional aspects of like the tough, messy stuff. And yeah, I, cause I agree with you, you know, like there's, there's a couple of books I've read that it's just like, I think a lot of the fluff and you got to pull the yeah. practicality rah, rah, out of it. You know, go. Yeah. And yeah. it's good, right? It's people's journeys. Yeah. No that, shade. I just, I just didn't want to write a book like that. I, well, right. I, you know, I wanted it to be more, more doable, more pragmatic. Yeah, no. And I think that's, uh, it's great. Now tell me to tell us, tell me, tell us this, you know, since you've written it and put it out and, you know, see it impact thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands, you know, what, what has been the most rewarding part of the journey? And let's just say what's been the most maybe challenging part for you. Well, I feel like up, up until the, the, the point of, of the book being released, I understood that I had helped a lot of people. I'd worked with people. I'd trained them. I'd had beautiful feedback from them. It was really lovely, but um, it only went as far as them and the people that they knew, you know, I, I hope that I made them better 
and feel better and do better so that they could then go be better in their lives, which has a, which has a big knock on effect. And, uh, but, you know, so I, I knew that I was, I was creating change in the world, but I wanted it to go wider. I wanted to, to, for this to be accessible to as many people as possible. Because I believe that a world filled with swagger is the best world possible. And by the way, I just, I, we haven't defined what I call swagger, which I think is important because I don't want people to think it's that arrogant, show off, fronty, peacocky thing that you, you assume when you hear swagger. I've redefined swagger as the ability to manifest who you really are mm. and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for it, regardless of the situation or environment. Mm. So, so the book goes out there into the world and then good old social media I start getting people reaching out to me to tell me how the book has impacted them and mm. I'll you know I don't want to talk about too much because I'm, I'm gonna crack because I cry every time people tell me the most incredible things like you know I had, I had a woman who reached out to me on social media who said that she had lost her child um uh, through SIDS um, in like 2007 and she's been in this deep dark place ever since and she's tried to pull herself out and nothing has helped her and that she read my book and it felt like it was the, the, the lock in the key and now she's starting to be able to change her life have the courage to change her life like what oh my god I had another wow. guy who reached out to me who said that he'd been working a corporate corporate job and his side hustle was um uh um, a sort of a disability accessibility company that that makes accessibility more far-reaching for those people with with so-called you know disabilities, um, and his business partner was is a is a person with non-verbal cerebral palsy, and I was like, you're badass, that's amazing, and he said that he read my book, and it, the book gave him the courage to quit his his day job and go all in on this company, which is now growing and becoming successful. Like it's just things like that. You go, Oh my God, the book is a catalyst. It's a catalyst for people. It's the thing that helps them have the courage to make those big choices and those, those big decisions, whether it's to see their lives differently or whether it's to change their lives or whether it's to fall back in love with, you know, themselves fully or whatever it is. I mean, I can't, I cannot tell you the number of people who have reached out to me to say uh, how the book has impacted them. And I, that, that is everything. That's, yeah. that's everything. That's right. all I wanted. That that was it done. Wow. I don't, I don't care about money. I don't care about recognition. I don't care about fame. I don't care about anything other than the human being saying to me, this made a difference for me. Yeah. That's it. I'm cooked. I'm done. Well, I mean, it's funny, you know, you said you, you wrote the book on the way to be a Sherpa for others. And that woman from 2007 who, hasn't found her way out, you know, obviously a terrible life event, but the fact that you could maybe give her a little peace, a little light, a little, a little light, light. Light, lightness, yeah. you know, a little way to navigate, you know, is, is, is huge. Um, yeah. because you, you took the decision to put this out there and that's, that's really special. Yeah. I remember writing the last, uh, the last page of the book with that, you know, like, what is it? What's the last thing that I want to say to people? And crying while I, like, again, I get emotional thinking about it, crying while I was writing it because I just was like, it was like I wanted to take the world by the shoulders and shake them and say, listen to me. You know, look, I'm, just, I'm getting emotional. Listen to me. This is possible for you. You know, mm. this is possible for you right now. You don't have to wait for permission. You don't have to ask anybody's permission. This is possible for you right now. Mm -hmm. And your life is going to be so much better. Like you have all of the stuff that you need inside you. Just, just fall in love with it again and, and learn how to use it, you know? And that, that to me was everything. And I, and I wanted, you know, I, you can't do that by just t saying to people, you know, you go girl and you go right, you know, person right. or you go whatever people need more than that. And I, I just hoped that, that what I chose to include in the book was going to be the, the enough totally. to, to, you know, to make that change, um, in people's mindsets and stuff and, and for the right people, it has, it really yeah. has. Yeah. And it's amazing. You, you, you like feel it because, and you put so much effort into the body of work that you did. I heard a, um, someone on our writing team, we had a town hall yesterday and it really like stopped me in my tracks and we were sharing these insights and he said, he goes, right. He, he's a writer and he goes, you know, I think it's our job as writers to write from the scar and not the wound. And I found that just, it just like mm. never forget. And 
the way you just the way you're taught we're talking it's like you wrote from personal history in a way to go make a huge dent but not from the wound of maybe yes what you didn't do and because of that like you can like look at that scar objectively but still bring that emotion into it to then go help someone else right um so that woman who you know just go back to that woman it's not like she was a you know, like you were looking for like therapy support from her to say, Oh, I'm, I get that too. But it's like, she could take your own learnings and apply them to her own life because you wrote it in a powerful way with conviction. And so, and clearly the book's a testament to your message and in, in the dent it's, it's having. And Leslie, tell us this, you know, um, as we're wrapping up here, you know, you, your work is beyond the book. What are you doing out there in the world right now to um, help people um, whether it's speaking or consulting, all the different elements of what make you you these days. Well, I still have my my training company, which is called Combustion. Um, so that operates with the with a team of trainers, and when I can, I'll I'll deliver training um, for that. It's harder for me these days, but I still I still do it. Uh, the coaching is a big thing for me. I love coaching. It's it's you know it's very intimate. It's one on one, but I still love the that that aspect of it. I do uh, a lot of speaking. So, um, I, am um, I'm doing virtual and uh, trying to get back to in-person. It's driving me crazy that I can't do in-person because I love the people. I love being on stage and I love people. So I do speaking, but I, I've become incredibly comfortable with the virtual speaking and that's, that's going really well as well. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of my jam. That's what I spend my, my time doing and between those three things. That's, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. You know, that, 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 that keeps your hands full. Um, I totally get it. Um, well, it, you have, you have a very special, uh, message path, the way you're impacting lives. And it's definitely seen, uh, and valued on this end where, uh, and heard, I guess, uh, where, where can people, uh, find you, reach out to you, buy your stuff, get in touch, all the things. You can get the book at, on all you know platforms at all good booksellers, bookstores, whatever, because it's it's available everywhere. Um, and you can uh, get in touch with me at lesliem.com, l-e-s-l-i-e-e-h-m.com. Come play with me on social. It's at Leslie M Speaks on Instagram, at Leslie M on LinkedIn. Uh, Leslie M, I think, on Twitter, um, Facebook at Leslie M Speaks. And uh, I try and share, you know, inspirational stuff all the time. I speak my truth. I am uncensored, unfiltered. I'm not afraid to act a fool because it's fun. But I try and bring some uh, some wisdom to the yeah. to the foolishness. Yeah. Um, and and walk the talk. You know yeah. that I you can't you you can take what you do very seriously, but you shouldn't take yourself that seriously. Right. <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks for the stimulating, uh, engaging and uh, important heartfelt conversation. This was a lot of fun. Oh, babes, I think you're a badass. Thank you for sharing your platform with me, sharing your audience with me. I hope this is valuable to them. And, uh, and just to everybody who's listening, just remember, you already have everything that you need. You just have to make the decision to tap into it. Awesome. Great parting words. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.